0: This is coffee number five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee Number Five. And while I'm here sipping away, I was thinking about those days that I was teaching digital media media for the fashion industry. And of course, even though I love the fashion industry, I had to do some more learning myself. And one of the things that I realized is that the fashion industry was one of the most affected by the digital world. Even the seasons of the beauty industry had to change because everything was happening so fast. Before uh, launching of new products or launching of new lines would take time and the press will have their time for doing their beautiful profiles and the new seasons and then people will sell it. Then when the digital wall started and everything started to be so fast, people want it now, they want the product, the product now. They couldn't wait so much. So this happened that a lot of our retailers had to um, start ordering more because they didn't know what will happen. And if you have a short, a small stock, you may not have enough, and then it's a problem because you are not making your customers happy. Today, I'm super, super excited because I invited Claire McCormack. She is the um, senior editor of Beauty Independent, which is a publication that I constantly follow because are the new trends, the new pro- products, she's always featuring them. And she's helping this new uh, products to chase new markets. And so welcome, Claire. Hi, so happy to be here. So how did you get into this independent beauty business?
1: I started when I got my MBA. I, out of that program, launched a luxury beauty e-commerce and content site called Travel Beauty, and it was through Travel Beauty. And I was also doing some freelance writing for uh, the Huffington Post at the time. And one of the things I wrote about was Indie Beauty Expo, which was a trade show only for independent brands. You needed to be at least uh, 51% owned by the founder, the individual. Like you could have some outside investment, but you needed to be owned by the founder. And so I wrote about. Indie Beauty Expo, and the company was growing very fast, and Julian Wright, one of the co-founders, said, I want you to come on board, and I did, and it's been gangbusters ever since, and what we launched in 2017, so Indie Beauty Expo launched as a company in 2015, I joined in 2016, and then basically from when I started and then 2017 we debuted Beauty Independent and it really grew out of working so closely with these beauty entrepreneurs because again that's those are the only people that exhibited at our shows we worked so closely with them and we really got to see all the pain points that beauty entrepreneurs have Um, the specific ones that especially then in 2017 were not really addressed in a lot of the media. Uh, they weren't talked about. There's there's launching at like you know four thousand Walmart stores, but then the people that were out our shows wanted to talk about. Okay, well, what if I'm launching at like two Credo Beauty stores, or you know, instead of instead of raising like a fifty million dollar round, like what if I'm looking to raise like a million or five hundred thousand dollar round? There was this big white space there, and so we came in to bring that kind of news to that consumer. And it was definitely a big white space because we grew really rapidly and have continued to expand our coverage and who we speak to. So we don't just do beauty, we do beauty, wellness, personal care. Um, and that now includes like even beverages. Um, I personally love sexual wellness. And so, bringing those entrepreneurs, those founders, the kind of information that they need, uh, the news, but then also more deep educational n- educational content, uh, like how to raise funding and, and value your business that a lot of entrepreneurs need. Because a lot of people that come into the space have never been in beauty before or never launched their own company before. There's a lot of there's a lot you don't know.
0: And so that's I, how- I love that the first thing that you mentioned was this expo because it's a big part of what you have to do as launching a business to be in expos, uh trade shows and all yeah. that. I would love for you to explain a little bit the cer- circle of this because I there are- I found that a lot of people, new entrepreneurs, they think that because they have a line, they just will put it online, make a shopping cart and you, that's it, you're in business.
1: Yeah, a few years ago, that might've been true that you can just uh, launch a launch a website and do some social ads and you would be good to go if the product looked good, especially if it looked good online. But that has rapidly shifted because the all of that type of advertising. So what you would need to, to really get your brand and your website in front of people has gotten so, so, so expensive. And so for a bootstrap brand, um, a brand that does not have VC funding behind it, or just doesn't have access to millions and millions of dollars, growing that way is not, it's not going to work anymore. You're just not going to get in front of the people that you need. You need to get physically IRL in front of people um, and trade shows are great for that obviously the past two years of the pandemic it's been you know we had to stop our trade shows cold turkey and whether or not we'll bring them back we don't know but it's still trade shows are such an amazing place to meet retailers which again so if we look at the fact that like no brand is really going to be just direct to consumer anymore. All everyone's now talking about. Okay, you need to be omni-channel. Omni-channel, right? Yes. So where do you meet the buyers so you can get into those channels? You meet them at trade shows. And well,
0: I mean, the trade show is part. Of, it's one of the channels.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like we for a while we even had a consumer night uh, at our trade shows. Then we turned it into just. Um, just trade. So it would be buyers and press. And that's the other important part of trade shows is, is meeting those key editors and press people that can cover your brand. Press placements are are not a magic pill, but they can certainly, I, I know that, you know, there can be that press placement that just does work some magic for a brand because press begets more press. Um, Buyers find you through press, right? So there is a, a, a hopefully this happy domino effect.
0: Yeah, I, it's, it's a happy domino effect and you want to have that. Uh, and that's always, it ties down with what we always say about strategy. And that's why I created my company, just to give this omni-channel experience uh, to new brands and to help them to set up Things right because yes. there are ways to set up things right. And that, like we were talking offline, that um, this does not guarantee succeed, success, but at least it guarantees you that you won't fail for a silly reason. Yes. Yeah. Like, for example, I was talking the other day, a new client that actually I was taking over their Google and Facebook ads. And when mm-hmm. I go in, I don't want to say who they were using or what doesn't matter, but I see that the audience was completely wrong and they Mm -hmm. were showing up. I mean, my client was based in one city, but Mm -hmm. people from another end of the United States was getting it. So that's a waste of money. Yes.
1: Yeah. and It's expensive now. So, you know, those are not cheap dollars. Those eyeballs that are that, they were paying to get to their site are not cheap and like you said if it's not who you want or who is going to end up doing purchasing whatever that purchase they look like um yeah that's
0: so it's it's a shame i want to do a game with you here i want to Play that we're going to have a new brand here. Let's call it the X brand. And I will give my recommendation from marketing to get ready for a trade show. And then you're going to give your recommendation on what to do on a trade show and how you utilize that time. So, my recommendation from uh, marketing is that you need to be super branded, that you Mm -hmm. need to know who's your target audience, have beautiful packaging, have your booth, all the banners. Everything people, your brand needs to remember, use always my IEMA system. You need to be informative, entertaining, memorable, and actionable. Yes. So you need to have all these things. So, Mm -hmm. and you're going to, what are you going to give away? We want people that you're going to be remembered. Don't give that flyer that everyone has. That's boring. Be outside Mm -hmm. of the box. Give something that you're going to make you memorable. And make connections. Get in a way that people, they're going to give you their email address. Make sure you have a way to follow up. Because yes. it's a lot of work to do trade shows. Yes. I did it from the press point of view. I did it as marketing. I did on both sides. And blame me, you're going to need a long nap after waking up at a trade show for a few days. So Absolutely.
1: It's but- very... I'm naturally introverted. It's very draining, so you want to self-care is a big part of it. Making sure you're getting rests if that's something that really zaps your energy.
0: Yeah. So make sure that you have your power wa- bars. there are mm-hmm. and that drinks. And but also don't rely on your memory. Take note, record oh, yeah. whatever. Take uh, get mailing lists. Get business cards from everyone. Yep. Uh, but get the way that you can follow up. Okay, mm. that was for me. what that's your turn.
1: Your elevator pitch. So think about a trade show. There are hundreds to thousands of different booths that the person who's coming to your booth, just assume that they've already been literally just in the past hour to a dozen other people like you. So against your point of standing out, you want the booth to look beautiful. That's a given. And that doesn't mean like spending a ton of money. There's, there's creative ways to make it look really beautiful and colorful, but what is like in those first few critical seconds, what are you saying to that person that's going to grab their attention and want them to engage with you and be engaged with you? So not just talk to you, but actually really be hanging on every word. And I think a lot of, A lot of brands go wrong and not having that elevator pitch for their brand just well honed. So when someone comes up, you're able to say like, hey, uh, you know, do you like, do you know the benefits of Bacuchiol or whatever it is? That's not, you know, that's uh, an example. But knowing how to grab someone, hook them in those first few seconds in a way, again, you don't want to be use car sales money. You you want it to be authentic, but know what you're going to say. And so when I come up to your booth, it's like, Oh, okay. Like, let's talk about that. And as far as giving away, I always err on the side of uh, at least deluxe samples. Uh, I understand full-size products to give away may be very expensive. I, I think that just waste wise and also, product wise the the sachets like the really little sample packets usually don't work well I can't really get a feeling of like yeah like what I can't get a feeling of like what a product really is and what it really does from that and I think they're like wasteful as well so again I I really have a lot of sympathy for the fact that it's expensive you're giving away a lot of product um, and that's one of the reasons why trade shows can be so expensive. And certainly when you're looking at trade shows, you want to work that into the budget. It's not just yeah. the exhibition fee. And From all the that.
0: marketing standpoint, I always say you can give mini sizes. Yeah. But let's package it right. Yes. That's what will make the difference. Or for example, I'm going to show you because I have it here. Like I don't do business cards. I do Chopstick. Oh, that's great. So when I go to a meeting, I go, oh, you can put one of these. This is something people will use because it's a good quality also. Mm-hmm. Or you can put a hand cream if you, that's a brand or something that people really want to put in their pocket, in their drawer. Yeah. And it's memorable because people will use it and they will yeah. get in the back of their brain. For sure
1: yeah, any way that you can stand out is, is important. Um, yeah. Putting your, because you get so many cards at a trade show. Oh my goodness.
0: And <coughs> Shem, try not to be salesy on the spot. If someone wants to buy, mm-hmm. it's completely fine. But otherwise I use those spaces to bond with people. Yes. And yeah. if you talk about the dog, make, make yourself a note. I talk about the dog that the name was not. And then mm. in the your follow-up, let's talk about the follow-up. After you that. took I how after you took that little mini vacation after the trade show, remember buyers also need that little vacation. It was intense for them. And Very it was, intense. It was really busy. Yes. And they got so much information. So you want to give it a, a few days, not too long. Mm -hmm. But how long would you say that is a good time to wait?
1: Definitely a few days. I think it also depends on what day of the week the trade show is. So I would say within a week, um, depending on how the conversation went. So just as you said, if you're making notes of your conversations and there are people that You can tell it was like a really hot lead that those go to the top of your your priority list that you want to make sure you're staying top of mind. So within, I guess, like five days, I would say is a good time to follow up. But really like, hey, again.
0: And then use your email or your phone and take your notes, use your notes. If you remember that you talk about Snoopy because you have that Mm -hmm. note, Make a comment about Snoopy. So don't now sorry you were talking about he, with about him and not someone else. Make it yeah. personal. Make it count because a relationship with the buyer can make it or break it.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So, and what happens if they don't answer?
1: This is a great question and. You obviously want to follow up, give it a few days. I don't, I mean, following up twice, I would say, is probably a good limit, at least for the near future. I deal with this a lot as with, with press and as an editor and getting a lot of, I, I literally get 300 emails a day, if not more. Um, and so there's a lot of follow-up in there. And I couldn't, I just cannot, Get back to every single person, and so how you handle the follow up is also, you know, keep it short, sweet, and respectful. And then a second follow up. um Sometimes some people get a little snippy in the follow up. I don't.
0: <laughs> I well, don't recommend That's, that's that. great that you say that. You can never make it personal because you don't know what's in the other person's plate. I mean, I three
1: hundred emails I get a day, and that's
0: you don't know how many emails I, I used to be the person who answered every single email and oh. even people who will uh, send me selling, th- trying to sell me things. They, Thank you so much that I'm not interested at this time. I, I go to a point that I cannot do it. I really don't have the time. If I can yeah. accumulate all the time, I just cannot. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop receiving email, uh, answer an email. So don't take it personal. And, if they're in interest, they will get back to you. I will yeah. give them, as you said, two up to two follow-ups after yeah. the initial and see what happened. Otherwise, I will never burn a bridge. But I will make notes. We always you have an Excel file, R table, Trello, whatever you want. Yeah. And you put a note. I keep track of the dates that you send them. This is your business and you cannot forget. This is really important for you. Who do you talk to? What was the feedback? And mm. if they didn't answer, you did answer. But because in then in three, five months, depends every industry is a little different. You yes. want to keep that in touch. Or you're going to see them in the next trade show. Even if you are not an, a, a vendor in the trade show, you might see them around in the trade show. So say, hey, how are you? Remember me?
1: Yep. Yeah. And so you want to keep it, you want to keep it always polite. And it's also, again, speaking as an editor, you may email me or your PA, PR may email me about something, follow up. Um, I, I'm not writing about it now, but then three months from now, I may be writing a story and I always say, put the keywords about your product or your brand in your email because I'll search my inbox, retinol, I'll just search my inbox for retinol, right? To see all the emails I've gotten that that have to do with retinol. And then I'm going through those emails to see, okay, who can I use as a source for my story? And so it's, I, I love that I have those emails. That's why I never delete emails. I don't, unless I like, never delete them either. Like, unless it's like a sales, like spammy thing, but I never delete them because I want to be able to like three months from now, go back and be like, oh, I couldn't write about this brand then, but this is the perfect opportunity. It started by a doctor. Let me get her expert opinion on this. Boom.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. That's why you never burn bridges in this industry.
1: Yeah, because Uh, if I go back and I see an interaction and they were like, weird or something i'm like okay well i have hundreds of other emails i can easily go to the person who was always gracious with exactly. me and understanding i
0: mean i mean we are busy i don't want to deal with toxic toxic people
1: yeah
0: or they don't follow directions directions are really important even if you are asking for a question in an article that's something that i want jump right in now When you'll be in interview it's mm-hmm. when someone asks you a question there is a reason for that question. So answer that question. Yes. Don't talk about what you want. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's
1: it's very important. Like keep it.
0: And if you and if it's something that you
1: don't want to answer, just yeah, be very straight. Just say like, I'm not. I am not going to comment on that. A lot of times, because we write about business, we'll always ask. Financial questions: How much money did you raise? How much did you spend on this? How much did you spend to launch the brand? And you, founders have varying degrees of comf- of comfort with divulging those types of facts. Understood. Just be straight about it. Just say yeah. I, I'm not comfortable sharing that information. But and then sometimes, you know, if you're not going to give me like actual revenue numbers, which I get it, like a lot of people don't. You can say, okay, but our year over year sales have increased X percentage, you know, so there is there's something there that's substantial that our readers will want to read without uh, giving away any trade
0: secrets. Exactly. Um, Because as you were saying, press is really important for a new brand. Yes. So, and how you get press. And those are the values that we were discussing before that someone who wants to start something, you need to start it right. Like I said, with a strong branding, but also you need to have a budget for press. I know that they they are because, and everyone knows how I feel about this, about the coaches or fake coaches Mm -hmm. like they think i mean they're coaches for everything now oh take my coaching program and i guarantee you that you will know how to do your own pr great yeah i mean i think that if you're capable of running your company probably you can learn pr but then you're not going to be running your company because you're doing pr yes yeah Yep. Well, it's something you as a founder, as an owner of a brand, you need to understand what is your time more valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think cultivating
1: those relationships with key people, it just in general. So not when when it's not a news cycle time is also super important. I am always, I always love to cover brands that I just have become friendly with the founders on social media. We follow each other on Twitter and like banter a ton. And then I find out that they're launching something and so happy to cover it and write about it because I have that rapport with them already. So that goes a long way and that costs
0: $0.0. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's people that you're going to see around. So uh, if... People want to get featured in your magazine. Mm -hmm. How do they get to do that?
1: Definitely reach out to me via social media, um, Instagram and Twitter. A lot of people, not as many people are on Twitter. It's my favorite, favorite social media platform. Um, Instagram is is
0: for most journalists.
1: Yes, I, and I love it. And it will be, again, it's word-based, it's text-based. Word um, text and so as a writer, of course, I really love it. But it's also just the feeling of Twitter is a lot more, it's a lot more sarcasm. No one's trying to pretend they have this perfect life like I feel oh, like they do on Instagram. I, I, I
0: always say that I should have been British because I love that sarcasm and I love yeah. that uh, that wit. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like Twitter is the perfect way to do that.
1: Yeah. So great place to reach out to us. Um, You can always email us. And we, because we want to be champions of independent and emerging brands, you don't need to have PR. Obviously PR does a really great job and they're able to send out big boxes and they have, uh, you know, they they're able to like send emails to dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of editors, but that personal touch, if it's straight from the founder, we love that. We love to cover those brands because it's, we we want to, we know how tough it is to launch a company and we know how challenging it is. So if this is someone that is really bootstrapping their brand and and doesn't have the funds to pay however many thousand dollars a month for PR, like, yeah, reach out to us, just make sure I would say, that you still have your ducks in a row. So one thing PR does really well for brands that brand founders may not know is knowing to have, again, that elevator pitch, but in written
0: form in the email. also a media kit. It's really important. I was about to
1: say. Yeah, you're going
0: to explain it better than me. So go for
1: it. Yeah. So like send me the things that I need for a story. If you go to a story on a website, you need beautiful imagery, a, a founder headshot, like all of those the price list of the products, like all make sure all of that's in that first email. So I don't have to go back and forth with you. Yeah, right? And-
0: journalists, I'm busy journalists. Most of the time, they don't want to go back and forth. If they don't cannot find everything and they need to, because they have deadlines. So yes. they don't have the time to go back and forth, back and forth. So mm-hmm. it's great if you can send it all the information they need in one place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then that will give me um, the inspiration to look for more We at Beauty Independent, it's very important to us. If we're doing a full feature on a brand, like one article on one brand, we'll always want to talk on the phone or on Zoom with someone. We don't usually just do email back and forth um, because it's important to us to get those those real live quotes um you know so it's not like a canned response via email those are good for different types of stories but if we're featuring or writing just about your brand I'll always want to get on the phone with you for 30 minutes or what have you so we can I can really get to know you
0: that's great and also remember if you make it easier for the journalist or for the uh, publisher they're gonna get it's gonna happy about this. And then they're going to be more eager to feature other products of you in the future. If you're easy to work with, that's what they want. Always, always. Yes. Also something that I always recommend to emerging brand is that you have to have a budget and side for gifting. Either to have gifting, to give gifts to The media, there are a lot of medias that they will not feature product if they don't try it. We go back and
1: forth on this. We try, again, we're very conscious of the fact that bootstrap brands do not have a ton of money to be giving us a $1,000 worth of free products. However, um, there are so many brands we could write about. So we want to make sure that we're writing about Products that are really fantastic and best in class. So it is a, a tightrope. We definitely don't have to have product to write about a brand. And I would say that I turn I turn down most product that I get offered. Um, I'm on, I'm already on some PR mailing lists. So like I, I get packages all the time, which I don't even know are coming, and and that's lovely. But we don't need to have product
0: um, and, and that's great but there are many other magazines publishers influencers that they do so you yeah. need to know that you have to have a budget available for that oh, oh
1: you, yes absolutely you have to have a budget and again yeah like what does it look like and the unboxing and this yes. is something that's really and, been evolving
0: and remember that the budget includes shipping
1: yes which can get very expensive. Yes.
0: I had actually one of my clients who was like, I'm happy I have product to go away, but can they pay for shipping? No, you cannot ask to pay for shipping.
1: Yeah, no, no one's <laughs> no one's paying for shipping. know what I was gonna say about the unboxing part of it is that um like the it's kind of evolving where there was a time when unboxing you wanted this beautiful ceremony and it needed to be fancy and all of this extra hoopla going on and now people are kind of moving towards okay we don't just throw it in a box but we also want to be eco-conscious we want to have as little plastic and waste as possible so um finding that delicate balance of like making it a beautiful um experience but um being as as little waste as possible
0: okay before we go because i know that we took a lot of time and this is i think the one of our longest podcasts ever but i cannot stop talking to you because this is so exciting i um I want to ask you the same question I asked everyone. What was that mistake in your career that you thought that, oh man, I really screwed up, but from that screwed up, you learned so much that it was such a valuable experience. And that you can teach someone and they can learn from your experience?
1: That's such a tough question to answer without thinking about it beforehand. So, just exploring options fully. I'll say that there was someone early in my career that was like, okay, call me, reach out to me. You should, like, in a professional, like, it was very professional, like, I, you know. I, We should talk about like you coming to work for me. And I never reached out to him because I was just like, well, what is he? Like, why would he do that? And this is an incredibly successful person. Um, And I think my, again, I was like just uh, less than a year out of college. I was very young and I just kind of was maybe intimidated and I didn't reach out to him. And I, who knows what would have happened? And like, I'm very happy with how my life has turned out, but, you know, who knows what could have happened? And so I think that, um, no, that when people uh approach you in that way and reach out to you in that way like explore it don't let those things don't let those opportunities pass you by because you you just never know
0: you never know like Um, my mother always says if you don't ask your answer is already no
1: if you don't at least have that conversation um with those people Yeah, and nothing could have come of it or something big could have, but I'll never know because I didn't, I just never called, even though the person was like very clear with me again, I think my, I was feeling very intimidated. And so I just didn't take that step. So take those
0: steps, follow up with those people. Thank you so much, Claire. It was such a pleasure talking to you and to you guys. I see you next week for more Coffee Number 5. Thank you so, so much. This was great. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.